0: Welcome to The Ignition Point. This is Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast, where every day we work with students to help them excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. Today's episode is a part two featuring the two counselors at work at CBA, Sarah Farmer and Kim Hedrick. They're continuing the discussion of restorative practice of using our lifelong guidelines and life skills, of helping our students find their voice and find strategies to help them be successful as they go about all of the different challenges that they face in life. We now rejoin the podcast with Sarah Farmer and Kim Hedrick. And so, um, as we're dealing with, with students and, and uh, life skills, lifelong guidelines in the classroom and, and that peer-to-peer conflict, sometimes peer-to-teacher conflict uh, that takes place, Um, And sometimes it's even peer to or it's even student to maybe their family conflict of something that's going on. You guys get a lot of things in your office. I know you get a lot of of probably words that you would rather not hear at times and, and experiences that you probably would hope that no kid ever experiences. But our kids go through that and it spills over into the classroom and it creates conflict then. And so now we've got conflict in the classroom. What do you guys then do to help resolve that conflict? Maybe the teacher has done some strategies there, but it's just more than what the teacher can do in the moment. And so then it ends up in in your office or it ends up in the principal's office and you're brought in for support. Here at the school, I know we we do a process called restorative practice and we've not really talked a whole lot about that on the on the podcast, but give a little bit of background. Um, Kim, you've been here seven years. And so I know that you, you've you been involved in kind of, as we as a school started kind of figuring out like, hey, how are we gonna deal with conflict mm-hmm. and behavior management and that sort of thing? And we landed on restorative practice. But then Sarah, as you were brought in, you had already done a lot of the restorative practice and been doing that for years as well. So it was a nice fit. Uh, and so we're gonna bounce back and forth here a little bit with restorative practice. But what, what do you feel like restorative practices role is and why why as a school is this the thing that we're we're doing as opposed to maybe some kind of discipline model of what many people think of in school of detention or suspension and those sort of you've done an action now you get a consequence and then you're right back in the classroom restorative practice really doesn't view it in that way so give us a little bit of understanding of restorative practice and kind of how we use it here and and what's the goal there
1: right Um restorative practices is a beautiful fit with our model of teaching it I like to think of restorative practices and we shared this with the staff when as as Sarah and I have shared um, and trained the staff in restorative practices in thinking about restorative practices is the garage and all of our HET practices and the restorative practices that our teachers use that we we teach like affective statements circles these little impromptu conversations that are a part of restorative practices are all tools then that become this really powerful framework for, like you were saying, Kendall, not not doling out punishment, it's not punitive, but actual chain, true genuine change in behavior can mm. take place with restorative practices. Because um, like I love what you say, and I think restorative practices is a part of that too, that reset, right, Sarah? Where there's that pause, and you're questioning okay what happened and we are so fortunate to have the life skills and lifelong guidelines so we have that common language from preschool through 12th grade that become a part of that conversation then what life skill will help me restore that relationship if it's with that person in the whole community so it's just a beautiful uh, framework to and works beautifully restorative practices with our model of teaching and so that's a beginning look at it I think
0: what would you add to that Sarah
2: I think it provides an opportunity for natural consequences if you're going to use that word I mean instead of being punitive I think it's that space for students to take ownership and accountability because if they're reacting on their feelings and we have this behavior that comes from it they're not necessarily connecting that thought. So it gives them that, that moment to, to take a beat, take a pause, reset, back up and regroup and figure out, okay, well, why did I do all this? What happened? What was the motivation behind it? Who did I impact or affect by my choices? And what can I now do to heal this relationship? Because our teachers here at CDA, I have noticed they do a beautiful job of connecting with these kids and building those relationships. And it it's, it breaks their heart, you know, when they see a student, you know, go in a direction that they weren't expecting. And so when these students approach these obstacles, to take that ownership and accountability, and and mend that relationship with the teacher or the peers, and realize that our choices do have consequences. And when we think about what our choices can be you know, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent in the moment, having those natural consequences to fight through it, overcome it, and grow Yeah. to to make sure they're making a better choice next time, I think, elementary, middle, and high school level.
0: And I know with my own kids as a parent, um, I think it's one of those when you hear about restorative practices and you go, oh man, that sounds so great, uh, until your kid is the one that was harmed, Right. right? And so then it's like, no, wait, my kid got pushed down, and so I want a a punitive consequence (laughs) (laughs) to that other kid that pushed them down, Uh, or whatever may be the the interaction, and, and, you know, many times the pushing down is the least of what actually happened in that interaction, Mm -hmm. right, and so it's, I think that's a, it's an important step in helping even our parents understand, like, we're always looking at this from that community level and helping the kids say, hey, there's gonna be a time when you're out here in the real world and you're an adult and you've gotta figure out how to work with these people that you're gonna be in a, in a job with. And so you wanna have some strategies to be able to express yourself, to be able to figure out how to get through this conflict that we're having so that we can continue on and work and do whatever it is that I'm paid to do or whatever it is that I'm that I'm here for right now that takes on then another lens and and i've had my kids on both sides of this i've had my kids in situations where they were the ones that were harmed and it is that gut reaction of like well how is that kid getting their uh, reward uh from this but i've also had my kids on the side of you know they don't always do things that are right either and it's like okay you've got to own this now and take responsibility for your actions and how that affected the community Um, and that's a tough conversation to have as a parent with my own kids because they don't always want to recognize their part in what happened Um, and I know that's one of the things we talk about is is the first step is everybody has to recognize their their role here right of what they did and and how that may have affected somebody else Um, or what somebody did to them and how that affected them in the moment Um, and then hopefully giving them strategies to come out of that on the other side Um, and so we use restorative practice to help with sometimes that peer-to-peer conflict we use that that restorative practice model to help them figure out like that they're part of a bigger community here um so how does that then go back to that i mean i think it's a natural fit with how that goes back to relationships but when you've used it with kids how have you seen this really change that model from just you know kim both of you guys have worked in a lot of school systems with a lot of different models when it comes to punishment and behavior management and that sort of thing so how have you seen that be different here to say, okay, we're not just going to dole out the punishment and the you know, the slip of paper that now you have detention or or whatever, to be something where kids are able to learn and grow and, and rebuild relationships or be able to figure out how to stay in the classroom. What what have you seen from that?
1: I think an important part of that when and, and I hear what you're saying, you know, the if you're the parent of the offended, right? But when you, when you think about it from the perspective that with restorative practices, everyone's voice is heard. And that's what mm. we all want, right? We all want to be heard. We all want to be seen. So part of this is going to the, to the victim and asking, what do you need? what what needs to be done in order for things to be restored in order wow. for things to be made right and so i think that's an important an important piece and just to add on to that kim going back to the victim and having
2: everyone's voice mm-hmm. shared it then takes that victim mentality and turns them into a victor takes away the victim mentality they have the opportunity to speak their mind speak their voice and have the courage the strength and be brave to confront the person that offended them so now they have a different title I'm not a victim I'm not gonna claim that I'm a victor I'm letting you know what you did yeah. to upset me to bother me to whatever it is and I think allowing the space and that opportunity for these kids to have these conversations now comparing other systems that I've worked out where a kid comes in they make a bad choice and they're suspended they're expelled they'll be back in a week they probably aren't going to change because mm. I don't think sending a kid home is the best thing because some of the kids that are making these poor choices, they're going home to an environment that they don't need to be in. They need to be <laughs> in school. So restorative practices, one, allows these kids to continue coming to our school to have that comfortable, safe environment where they can continue to learn. And they're choosing to show up and they're they're now having to face the consequences, the natural consequences of the actions and choices that, that they made so that they can grow and learn from their mistakes and and not be punished in more of a punitive way.
0: Yeah, I love that idea of saying like, you you don't have to run from the situation and the solution is not running from the situation. The, the solution is hitting it straight on and, and figuring this out.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And even from a parent's perspective, like if you wanna, it's that feeling and that thought and that behavior triangle, like you hear, oh my, this happened to my kid, coming back your feelings, it's a responsive because that nurturing, mm-hmm. that parent, you go into mm-hmm. you know parent mode and you wanna protect your kid but as a parent you know then we step up and we take initiative and we have a conversation with whoever it is tell me more about this situation that happened to my son you know that's that's taking that initiative to again try and get more information um to to empower the student your student to be able to speak their mind use their voice and then come together with all parties so that it doesn't because we are such a small school too we don't want to have a lot of broken bridges here we want everybody to get along and understand that you don't have to like me, but we're here every day, and we have to work through this and, yep. and you know, be collaborative and be a team and follow these life skills and lifelong guidelines.
0: Absolutely, and, and I think that the thing that I hear you saying goes back to several conversations I've had with teachers of they view their role as helping students find their voice, mm-hmm. where they know that they can be heard when they talk and what they have to say brings value to the community that's another one of those, man, if we get kids walking across a graduation stage at, after their 12th grade year, knowing that what they have to say has value and they know how to say it, they know how to express themselves, they know how to work through conflict, they know how to interact with their peers, they know how to collaborate, they know how to critically think, they know how to problem solve. I mean, how much better are they going to be in the next phase whatever that is and and that's a question that does come back from parents of like well are you really setting your kids up for the real world you know of using life skills lifelong guidelines everybody doesn't use life skills lifelong guidelines out there right we wish more people in our world used life skills lifelong guidelines so you know they come back to that like well are you really helping them understand how the real world's gonna going to interact and and that would be the statement that i would go to if they know that their voice has value and they know how to use it in a positive way and they're able to figure out how to get through conflict and they're able to express when they've been affected of, well, what would this mean for me to get through this or, or what would happen, what, what would need to happen for me to be able to process the things that are going on right now? How powerful is that for them as an adult, as a college uh, roommate uh, to people that that are going to be weird, right? And, and that you know, a professor that I have to figure out how to interact with in college to get what I need or, or a, an employer that I have to be able to express myself once again so that I feel like I'm heard at my workplace and I feel like that I can uh, still bring value. And so, Kim, when you're looking at lower school and you've done this uh, for several years now, what are some things that you would consider to be obviously we wouldn't mention names here and stuff, but what are some things that you would you would say this was a win. this was a this was a major thing that we were able to get through and, and that kid really did figure out kind of their voice or figure out the how to get through that conflict and then back into the classroom?
1: Um, I can think of many examples, but I can think of a, a specific one this year just like, like you're saying is just my role is to help equip this student with understanding that they have a voice and so I have just you know even at a young age um, that is like you were saying that's very powerful for that person to know and this particular student the strategy was to retreat Mm -hmm. right and huge I mean it took us a few times talking but for the student to recognize. Wow, that's what I'm doing, you know. I don't know what to do. I'm running to the bathroom. And so we talked about it and we talked about the student voice. And and you know when you said that just now, Kendall, don't we all want our children to be equipped with that for life, right? It's not just here. It's in college with that professor like you're saying, as an adult in the in the workforce with with our family, our friends. So just that student understanding that she had a voice and how to use that uh was was such a beautiful thing to see uh, um, and her seeing the power in that Mm
0: -hmm. and i've got i've you know one of my own personal kids as a is a runner uh on that you know they retreat and it took us a while as parents even to figure that out so you know to say well you know the parents know their kids or whatever sometimes like we didn't recognize it at first and it was one of those in interacting with the teacher because here's the thing if a kid says they need to go to the bathroom as a teacher you let them go to the bathroom right like I mean I I learned a long time ago not to fight that battle like kid needs to go to the bathroom go to the bathroom but it was recognizing wait a second they're they're going to the bathroom every time x happens in the classroom they don't need to really go to the bathroom this is a strategy they're using to to run away from the moment and so then trying to help a kid figure that out um and it's tough because as a parent I don't always have the best strategy you know I'm like stop going to the bathroom like, (laughs) which is not a solution, um, either. Right. So that's a, that, that's a powerful moment for the kid to recognize, wait a second, this is why I'm doing this because I don't think we always understand, right. That's that kind of, we talk about that, that, that primitive brain kind of takes over. Right. So whenever we encounter something that we're afraid of, we go into fight, flight or freeze Mm -hmm. and for many people they've the flight that's happening or the running away that's happening it's not something that they're consciously thinking oh i'm just going to leave this moment it's they're in the bathroom before they really did recognize <laughs> i ran away from something and i just didn't want to process it so i'm just going to sit here in the bathroom for 20 minutes while they're done with that and then when i return maybe i won't have to deal with it and sarah i'm sure that you deal with this as well at at the upper school level with kids and, and maybe it still is running to the bathroom, but. Uh, mm-hmm. It could be some other uh, either runaway strategy or freeze-up strategy. We talk with our teachers about that of whenever you go and and a kid goes, I don't get any of this on the test, that's really a freeze-up moment. It's not a behavior issue, which is a lot of times what happens in in the teacher role of like, well, you you need to try harder or you need to do this. It's recognizing what's happening in the brain right there is that they're freezing up And so then they're going. I don't know any of this. And as the teacher, you're going, yeah, you do. Like we, I know you know this. But it's helping them get through that moment. So what are some things that you would you you have seen success with as well in that helping kids get through this, helping it through either restorative practice or just through strategies to say, okay, here's what's really going on. Let's put some words here. Let's figure out actually what's happening. How do we get past that? And then what do we do to see success?
2: Yeah. So a couple things. Um, Going back to you know the fight flight or freeze there's also the fawn you know these teenagers um i have come to find out that they actually do recognize that avoidance and they they will act on it they know it they see it they feel it and so then they act and sometimes their reaction is coming into my office and that's where their flight is they come and they're coming to me and so i've had to try and um if you referring to like a specific situation there's been a few times where i've had students come to me in avoidance of certain things are spilling over. They were triggered. You know, we have kids have these, some kids have, um, we call them ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, mm-hmm. and they're in the brain. And when something is triggered, yeah. doesn't matter what it is, could have been something a teacher said, another kid said, in the middle of a test, if something comes up and that kid is triggered, the fight, flight, freeze, fawn, And they're gone, you know, and they're just not in that moment. They might still be in that chair, but they might not be learning. And so when they come and I can get them to see me and we can work through that and we can acknowledge and they recognize, oh, yeah, I avoided it. And let me tell you why. We get to the root of the problem. Some of the techniques that I have used to help these students get to the root of the problem so that they can go right back to class. It's that voice, but it's the voice that they need to hear and it's their own voice. Mm. And it's something as simple as positive psychology, self-talk, positive self-talk, having those affirmations. Of I can do this I can get through this I believe in myself I am amazing I am smart all these things that they hear from their parents and their best friends or the counselors or teachers you know all these people they need to hear it for themselves and sometimes when they hear it out loud whether they journal about it depending on the student you know right maybe the typical athletic male doesn't want to sit here and journal but there are a few females that I've worked with they're like oh yeah I haven't thought about that and so again that's meeting the kid where they're at trying to get to mm. know what they like, what their interests are, who they are, so that as a counselor, we can connect with them on that level. I have an athletic background, and so when a kid comes to me and starts talking sports, I can keep up, and I can connect, and I can put it in those terms. And so when these kids come to me and I meet them where they're at, put a spin on it that hits home to them, they're still no matter what way you cut it they're using their voice and they're listening to themselves to overcome that obstacle because we could talk till we're blue in the face but they have to get that courage and confidence and believe in themselves and change their mindset so that no matter what they hear in that classroom no matter what triggers them they have the strength to sit there fight through it and overcome it
0: wow you know hearing this conversation and and you know i have i have three kids that are in various levels of of some of the stuff that we've talked about and and as a parent when you see your kids struggling, you want to be that, that voice for them and hearing that like, hey, they've got to, they've got to generate their own voice. They, they have to be able to get through this, whether you're there or not as a parent, you know, you don't always want to hear that as a parent, right? You want to be able to just fix it for them and, and you want them to be successful. You want them to be whatever it is they want to be down the line and, and get there. And so um it's this has been a great conversation we could continue to talk about more of the social emotional learning that takes places uh, you you brought up the adverse childhood experiences which are so important in today's world of the aces of how do you get through those and and how do you not let that define who you are which is a huge part of what we end up doing in school of, of recognizing yeah this has happened but who do you want to be not who is that just going to make you into? And so uh, I love that conversation. I'm sure we can have more of, of that down the line. I want to thank both of you for taking the moment just to sit down with me today and talk through the things that we do at CBA, the restorative practice piece, the relationship piece, the the uh, absence of threat, and you've hit on so many things, but there's still so many more things that you guys Mm -hmm. do as counselors uh, than that, and sometimes when people hear of of a counselor at school, they might be thinking of test coordinator, which you guys also play that role of test coordinator here at the school, Uh, but uh, you do so much to help our kids be successful as they walk across that stage, uh, hopefully in 12 to 13 years, right, and (laughs) uh, take that diploma, and and then go off into the world to be successful and i'm excited to see what happens on the next step of their life and what you guys have helped uh, our students with to be successful any last uh, words here kim as we close out the podcast
1: no thank you for this opportunity to share uh, a little bit about who we are and what we do
0: and sarah
2: yeah no i'm just grateful to be here with kim and kendall always i Huge supporter of CBA and all things. So I just appreciate the opportunity to share some of this with parents and all the listeners out there.
0: Awesome. Thank you both. This has been the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast, where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today of hearing our counselors talk about all the things they do to help our kids reach their full potential, find their voice, and get strategies that will help them be successful as they leave CBA. If you'd like to find out more about CBA, you can visit us on our website, www.claytonbradleyacademy.org. You can find us on social media sites at CBA STEM or at Clayton Bradley Academy. We hope you have a great day.